This is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. So glad to be back at it with you for another day. Hope everybody's got their winter gear on. It's going to be one of those days, although it looks like the storm. I don't want to taunt the storm uh, as of Tuesday morning, but uh, seems like it maybe was a little bit overrated. If it was uh, if it was the opponent in a uh, in a gym right now, I think the I think the fans would be chanting "overrated" at this storm. Doesn't seem like it's going to be the storm of the century. The projected totals seem like they're going to fall a little bit short, but nonetheless, going to make things a little bit dicey to get around. Going to make you get out and shovel or snow blow. So, good luck with all of that. Got a good show here. Despite all of the weather, the weather doesn't really impact me um, doing this show because we got plenty to talk about. Chip Scoggins will join me here in a little bit. Star Tribune columnist got to got to got into things with him on a few different subjects, including Vikings. I hadn't talked to him about the Kevin O'Connell hire and some of the the Kirk Cousins stuff, and uh, also got his thoughts on the uh, the dust up between Wisconsin and Michigan men's basketball teams the other day, which resulted in a lengthy suspension for Michigan coach Jawan Howard and some discipline for some of the others in that mix. Um, and I got to get to uh, got to get to some free agent quarterback stuff as well. And Chip and I got into some Title IX uh, stuff uh, story that he's working on that sounds very interesting. But first. What did I miss? It's been about five minutes since the world paid all the attention to Aaron Rodgers, so he needed to order another helping of attention, I guess, on Monday night, posting an Instagram story that uh, you know, that led a little bit like an inspirational poster that you would hang in your bedroom. Um, here's, I'm, I'm, I'll read most of it. Um, it was a okay. I'm just gonna read some of it. Um, Aaron Rodgers posting on an Instagram story. Here's some Monday night gratitude hashtag for some of the incredible, incredibly special people in my life with some pictures from the last beautiful year. Then he adds Shailene Woodley, who they just broke up with not too long ago. Thanks for letting me chase after you the first couple months after we met and finally letting me catch up to you and to be a part of your life. Thanks for always having my back, for the incredible kindness you showed me and everyone you everyone you meet, and for showing me that what unconditional love looks like. I love you and I'm grateful for you. To the men, to the men I got to share the QB room with every day. Matt, Nathaniel, Luke, Jordan Love, and Kirk Bankert. You guys made every day so much fun, and I'm so thankful for the daily laughs and stress relief you brought me every week of the year. I love you guys. To the Friday night crew, which includes teammates Randall Cobb, David Bakhtiari, I loved every moment we got to spend together this year. Your love and support was overwhelming, and I cherish the friendships I have with each of you. To my teammates, past and current, you are the icing on the beautiful cake we call our job football. The friendships that we have will transcend our collective time in this game, and I am so thankful for the role that each of you have played in making my life that much better. I love you guys and cherish the memories we've made. Lot to unpack there. Um, I think the biggest thing we've learned over the last year or two is that uh, we shouldn't pay too much attention to what Aaron Rodgers says in February or March. Um, what matters most is what happens in August, September, and beyond. But again, he has said he's going to make a decision about what he wants to do going forward while he's still under contract with the Packers technically. Um, they're kind of at this point where he can request a trade and they would have to more or less honor it because of the way his contract is structured. 
I guess if you want to read into that Instagram post, is it just Aaron Rodgers wanting attention and, and keeping alive this beautiful mystery for a little while longer? Is it Aaron Rodgers taking stock of his life and saying, I'm thankful for all this. Why would I want to change? Or is it kind of a goodbye, so to speak, since part of it was to, you know, part of it was a breakup with Shailene Woodley? And is this a breakup then with the Packers saying, thanks for the memories. I will always cherish them. I don't know. Of course, nobody knows except Aaron Rodgers. And even if he thinks he knows right now, that could change tomorrow. It could change in the next five minutes when he decides a different way he would like to get attention. But I found it interesting. Um, I, I got to admit, I'm, I'm, I'm still, you know, I keep coming back to this subject just because it has such an impact on what happens in the NFC North. I absolutely think that if he decides he wants to be done in Green Bay, that absolutely has to factor into how the Vikings think about 2022. It doesn't factor into their long-term planning, I don't think, but that division, like we've talked about, becomes wide open if Aaron Rodgers leaves and the Packers enter some sort of kind of mini rebuild and try to figure out if they can win with Jordan Love. It just does. And, you know, he's not going to play forever. But if he's here in 2022, that makes me think a lot harder about, okay, is this a year to hit reboot for the Vikings and try to get better for 2023? So while I don't think they are held hostage by this situation, I do think this influences their path forward in the immediate future. So that's why it is so important to me to monitor over the next couple weeks. Not going to watch Aaron Rodgers' Instagram for smoke signals, things like that. But this, to me, is just another sign of a decision is coming soon, and what does this all mean? Speaking of quarterbacks, our old pal Judd Zolgad, now with Score North, used to be with the Star Tribune, reported on Monday that the Carolina Panthers have called the Vikings about Kirk Cousins. Now, calling someone about, about a quarterback is a lot different than active trade talks, things like that, but get ready for that rumor market to become hot as well. And like a million other outlets picked up on that. It was kind of spreading everywhere, though it was just the one report. Not that Judd is incredible. I think Judd is credible. Um, but we'll, we'll see how far that goes. It is interesting, though. You know, Carolina might be a decent match, kind of depending on what happens with the rest of the league. The free agent quarterback market is not great. You're talking about guys like... You know, Mitchell Trubisky maybe on a you know rehabilitating his his career. Teddy Bridgewater is kind of a a stopgap. Um, you're talking about you know Ryan Fitzpatrick if he decides he can play another year. You know, a guy like Tyrod Taylor. Like the ESPN had a good kind of a good look at the free agent class, and it is not great. So you have to imagine any trade with Carolina would involve bringing Sam Darnold back as part of that package. And the problem with Darnold is. He's, uh, he's due $18 million on his fifth-year option next year. That's kind of the, the market rate for that fifth-year option for a first-round first pick at quarterback in that fifth year, and that's already been picked up. That's an $18 million price tag. That's all base salary. So if you do the cap math, if you're trading out Kirk Cousins and presumably getting back more than Sam Donald, you're getting back some draft capital as well, the cap savings is about $17 million because – Kirk Cousins has that $45 million cap hit, $10 million stays with the Vikings, and then another 18 would be coming back with Sam Darnold, and the rest of it, the rest of that $35 million cap charge going to Carolina. So it's an interesting fit. I mean, this would be Sam Darnold's third team already in five years, though. I mean, if it hasn't worked 
with the Jets, if it hasn't really worked with Carolina, is it really going to work with a different team, or have we seen enough to think that's not that's not just a a bad fit thing? That's a quarterback who just was, you know, maybe a little bit overrated. I don't know. It's the kind of the same parameters of a possible uh, trade with Cleveland too. If if Baker Mayfield came back, that would be kind of the same same kind of thing. Uh, the, that that size of a contract, things like that. So I don't know. Uh, it's it the overriding message here, I think, is that it's not a great QB class. And if, you know, if some dominoes start to fall, whether or not Aaron Rodgers gets traded or not, I think influences what the Vikings might do there. I don't know if it's worth a flyer on Sam Darnold or if it's just a way to kind of get out from underneath Kirk Cousins' contract and start over, um, you know, in 2023 and get a look at Darnold at least. It doesn't do a ton for me, but, um, you know, I guess it's another destination to monitor as we think about this going forward. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Happy to be joined today on Daily Delivery by Chip Scoggins, of course, columnist, enterprise writer for the Star Tribune. Has some good stuff coming up later this week on Sunday that we'll get to in a little bit, but... uh, Chip, I wanted to pick your brain first and foremost about Kevin O'Connell and the hire and his introductory news conference on Thursday because you have not been on for two, three weeks, and a whole lot has happened with the Vikings since then. Yeah, it's it's definitely a turning of the page for that organization. I felt like after when when ownership decided to get rid of Spielman and and Zimmer, and then you look at their roster and where they're going, I mean, this was a – as much of a crossroads moment for this organization in my 22 years of living in this town um, with hiring O'Connell feels like uh, where they landed fit with kind of the narrative that we heard from Mark Wilf on that day that, that they announced the firings of yeah. uh, Spielman Zimmer. And then also in what we heard from Quasey, um, when he, the day he was hired as the new general manager in terms of collaboration and working together and having alignment and all the kind of the key buzzwords. And so it, it makes sense in listening to both of those men, both the GM and new head coach that um, it's definitely a different vibe <laughs> what we've been used to. And I don't think you're going to have these two go months without talking to each other, but um, you know, you have first time guys, in both of those key roles. And so it'll be fascinating to see how this plays out. Now, one of the, I'll get to the Kirk Cousins stuff in a minute here. Cause I thought that was, you know, that was the thing that everybody mm-hmm. seized upon and it was for good reason. That's the big, you and I have talked about that and multiple people yeah. have talked about that. That's the big off season question. That's got to be answered, you know, probably sooner rather than later. But one of the biggest things I took away from it was O'Connell talking about this roster and, you know, maybe this is the job of every new coach coming in to not, you know, dismiss or give up on what he's got, but he sounded genuine in thinking that there's enough talent to win right away. If this is just implemented in a different way, what did you make of that? How sincere do you think he was in that? Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. You're right. A lot of that's uh, every coach in every sport that gets hired is going to say they have a great roster, but a lot of that's reflective of what Mark Wolf said, again, going back to that day, he said he expects to be super competitive in 2022. And you wonder how much that ownership looks at all the close games this team had this year and 
feels like if they can just tweak some things and be better in certain situations that um, the roster is there. I would, I would push back on that. When I look at that defense, particularly, I can buy it more offensively when you look at their star power and, and yes, they need to address their, their offensive line <laughs> continued but Again, def- part 12. But de- Mike defensively, they're not close. I mean, that was one of the worst defenses in the NFL. And so, and you look at um, just how it's constructed with the number of veterans that you, that they relied on. I keep going back to, I don't know that they have that core group of 22 to 25 year old players that they're built on defense that they're building around. And so I think that the defensive side needs massive overhaul and a massive infusion of talent. And I'm not sure that you get that done in one off season, what, what they need to do. And so, but I, I did find it interesting that yes, they're going to switch to a three, four, but O'Connell talking up Anthony Barr in terms of fit and what they want. I wasn't expecting that. I got to be honest with you. That to me was probably the biggest surprise of that press conference. Um, and so, but I, I, you know, Ben Gasslinger colleague had another story this Sunday and I think Mark reiter- Wilfie reiter- reiterated that he wants to be super competitive and they think that they can. So, um, we, we, you know, the NFL is a field goal league, right? Every, it seems like every game comes out to a field goal. And so it, I don't think that this team is, I think they have enough talent at the top end of the roster that you're not looking at a, a team that's going to bottom out and win three right. games. But are they, I guess I would ask like, what is super competitive? What's the definition of that? What, what, what does that look like in your mind to Mark Wilf? Is it competing for a playoff spot? Is it, you really believe you're contending as a legitimate championship? I, I just, I, I just think they have so much uh, areas to fix on defense. I just, I can't buy that right now. Yeah, I, that's that's the way I look at it too, and I feel like maybe we're in the midst of a identity change with this team, not just with the new leadership, but this has been, you know, when Mike Zimmer was here for eight years, this was a team whose ident- identity was rooted on defense, just because that's who Mike Zimmer was. He came from the defensive side of the ball. He was always going to trust his defense to win more than he was going to trust his offense, and if you look at their recent drafts, if you look at their skill position players right now, most of the investment in the last five years has been on the offensive side to try to catch up to the defense. And now with a young offensive minded head coach, it does feel like if they are going to be super competitive, it's as they say, it's going to be with a top five or top 10 offense and hoping for middle of the pack out of the defense rather than the other way around. For sure. And, and, and that's what, and I, you know, before last year, Zimmer said, he basically said, I got to fix the defense. The offense is fine. Totally fine. Well, when you have Justin Jefferson and Thielen and Dalvin Cook and a, and a veteran quarterback who's accurate, you should be a top 10 scoring offense. And they weren't. So the, the offense wasn't as good as, as Mike Zimmer made it out to be. Now, I think, I do think if they can shore up the interior uh, of the line, I think that it will be because you have an offensive minded head coach who's probably a heck of a lot more creative and willingness to draw more out of it than Zimmer was. But the one thing I, I think was smart was and deliberate uh, O'Connell getting a veteran defensive staff with Donatelle and Mike Pettin. And so he can, I don't, I don't say he's going to ignore the defense, but at least you, you have guys who have done it, have a long track record of running the defense. Uh, so he, he can feel more confident that, that side's going to, you know, is in good hands 
um, experienced hands. But it's, it's, it, how are you going to fix the personnel with their sour cap situation? And that goes back to the Cousins situation, right? Yeah. Um, it does not surprise me, uh, unless it's just it's a gigantic smokescreen, um, but it doesn't surprise me that they would want to ride this out with, with Cousins because either for one year or multiple years, if they, if they get the uh, extension done with him, because it goes back to, one, the super competitive quote and, and ownership and feel like they're, they're close. But, but also, if you give any head coach an option, you want a veteran with Kirk Cousins' experience or an unknown, a rookie or, or a guy who, who hasn't played, he's going to take the veteran, with the known, every single time. And Kirk Cousins is job security to a certain degree. He's not, he, he has not proven yet to be a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. He's a exactly 500 quarterback, I believe, for the duration of his career and close to that with Minnesota. I'll, I'll circle back on him in a minute. You know, one, one interesting kind of parallel to all this is, and maybe you and I have even talked about this, was, you know, the wild when they hired Bill mm-hmm. Guerin a couple of years ago and they said, all we need to do is tweak the roster. And I think we all kind of rolled our eyes and said, no, I mean, look at this team. This team's going nowhere. They've, you know, the, the, the ceiling for this team has been first round, maybe second round of the playoffs. And that's nice. But when it comes up short of that, then you got to, you really got to tear this thing down. And they're like, no, just, you know, a few tweaks here and there. And they kind of, you know, I think some of the pain is still to come with the, 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 the Parisian suitor buyouts. And can they fit the, the players they need still under the cap when those guys are counting more, but they've kind of fi- found their way out of that box without having to tear it all down. Well, that's yeah. And, and you know, they went from Chuck Fletcher to Fenton. That's when Craig Leopold said, ah, oh, we just need tweaks. And it's like, well, tweaks are not going to get you out of mediocrity, right? You're good, but not good enough. And then he brings in uh, Bill Guerin. Bill Guerin, yeah. And you had a fresh perspective of a guy who said, I don't care about what has happened. I'm, I'm, this is how I feel about it. And we're doing more in tweaks. And so that's what I felt like the Vikings needed in that. A first set of eyes, someone who's who's not emotionally attached to this roster, certain guys. And it'll be interesting to see what Quasey does with this roster in, in that regard. And I don't know that it'll be this offseason. Yeah. I think where you'll see the because here, well, I think it'll be more next offseason if there's a like a really significant uh reshuffling of the roster. Um there are so many rookies and young players that Mike Zimmer basically ignored. Yes. So I almost feel like they need a full year of OTAs training camp and the season almost to evaluate what they have and figure out who fits the new schemes, who fits the three, four, who fits the offensive schemes, who can play, who can't. Um, and then that's where you, I think next off season is where you'll see probably a more robust uh, overhaul of the roster because you'll they'll have a better idea. I mean, Let's be honest, like coming in, you're, you're just trying to figure out, implement stuff and yeah. figure out what you have. So um, I don't think you can start getting rid of players before you even know what, what they can do. No, but, the, you know, to that point, they do have, there's a salary cap in football. They can't mm-hmm. keep everybody to keep evaluating them. But, you know, Kirk Cousins at a $45 million number right now. Now, Ben Gessling on the Access Vikings the other day when we were talking had an interesting point. They could essentially lower... Cousins cap number, but still keep their commitment to him to just this year by kind of tacking on some void years 
onto his contract right now with with the money stays the same, but they're kind of you know spreading out the pain. I don't know if he'd be into that or not, but maybe as long as he's getting his money, that doesn't matter mm-hmm. as much, and they can you know come back to the table if if something changes and they win a Super Bowl or something like that. But sure, are where are you with that? Are you becoming more convinced that he's here, but only for the short term, or does does it all depend on what happens in twenty twenty two, or do you think it's just they're they're talking a good game, but if the right deal came along, they would absolutely still trade him right now. Well, I think if the right deal, if it like someone blows you away, I just don't know that you're going to get that. I mean, are you going to get, you know, a Matthew Stafford type haulback for him? I just don't think you're going to get that. It could be wrong, but I, I don't see it. Um, but I still think he's, I still think it's more short term or there's one year um, because it to me this feels like an opportunity to really hit reset at all all levels. GM, coach, quarterback. And I don't know um, that they want to do that, you know, this year and go out and try to draft a guy. But but next year, maybe they, you know, they've already looked ahead and said, wow, there's four guys that we really, you know, in the draft. Um, the other thing is they have to feel like what they have in Kelamon. Maybe he can play, maybe he can't, you know. Um, they have to figure that out. But I, I, I just feel like this is your opportunity to – um, I just feel like we know what Kirk Cousins' ceiling is. Maybe they'll be able to draw a little bit more out of him, but as, as you know his strengths, and I think we know his deficiencies, and I, I don't know that that's going to change substantially with the new coaching. I, ju- I just don't. I, f- I feel like you, you sort of know what he is at this point in his career. I agree with that. Well, we'll see. It's going to be talked about more and more. I mean, but we're going to get to March is not far away. March is like a, a week away. And then the league yeah. year starts less than a month from now. We're going to, these are decisions that are going to come out up on them fast, especially that Daniel Hunter roster bonus that's due in mid March. I mean, this, it's a lot of, there's a lot on their plate. I mean, as, as probably should be when you make a change, there's always going to be big decisions probably because something hasn't gone right. And that's why I feel like, I mean, that had to be a big part of these questions had to be a big part of the interview process, both with Quasi and, and the head coach is like, okay, what are you going to mean? It's not like you can just kind of, all right, we got four months to figure that. No, you have to come in with a plan and like, this is what we have to do. Right. And this, this is what we're going to do. And that's why I think um, there's so many uh, rostered decisions that um, I just don't, you know, I think you figure out the cousins thing, whether it's right out this year or, do as Ben suggested with the void years or, or maybe give them a two or three year extension. Um, and then you can kind of, uh, I don't say check that off quickly, Yeah, but they've, they've clearly had to be thinking about this and, 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 you know, realizing that this is step number one, the Neil Hunter, I think is item number two. Right. And then you can figure out the rest of the roster after that. Yeah, I think so too. Let's move to a couple other subjects quick before we get out of here. Um, Royce and I talked about this on Monday. His takeaway from the Michigan-Wisconsin dust-up was they should end the handshake line. I wonder if your take is a little bit different from what yeah. you saw. Yeah, I don't have a problem with the handshake line. I have a problem with adults not being adults. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there, it, that could have been dangerous. If, if there weren't enough adults on the periphery, and players trying to calm the situation. I mean, imagine, Mike, if a player got hurt, a coach got hurt, a fan, if that would have spilled into the fans. I mean, yeah. you'd had a, you'd had a, you know, it could have been worse and dangerous. And so, um, 
and and you just can't have a coach swinging at. Yeah. yeah, I know it wasn't a full punch, but it was a you know it was, it was a pretty a, hard slap. Somewhere between it, a slap and a punch. In a punch, yeah, uh, you can't have it. I mean, just you, you can't condone it. And this is not his first incident with the coach post game. Right. So this is there's a a pattern here. Um, I think Krabenhoff from Wisconsin uh, exacerbated the situation by flying in there. Um, didn't have the coolest of head and motions there. So I think I would be surprised if he. I don't know if guard. I mean, guard. Yes, people are saying he's touched his elbow to stop him. You know and um, I, I, you know, maybe they feel like they have to punish him too. Um, but I think, uh, coaches from both sides will, but, uh, Juwan Howard, you just can't swing it. I mean, it's like, you're the adult in the room. You're, you're setting the example for your players and this is, you know, and the fact that he didn't apologize afterwards and, um, it, it just, it was, it was bad. I think guard exacerbated it with the well, first I don't uh, the 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 notion that he was calling timeout to reset the ten second clock in the final ten seconds of a blowout is a little weak to me. And then stopping Jawan, well, I don't know if Jawan, I don't know where Jawan was going. It's kind of hard to know at that point. But yeah, I don't have a pre- listen. If you're going to pre, and then you know they had they were playing full court man to man, and Jawan said said, well, that's not a press. That's just full, well, it is a press. Just if you you know if you're going to do that, if you're going to play full court then I don't have a problem with the timeout, okay. you know? Um, but even, even with all of that going on, you got to have calmer emotions than you guys fighting in the handshake line and taking swings at each other. I mean, yes, just, you know, agree to disagree with how that was done, but you can't, you can't let it get the best of you to the point where you're creating that kind of scene. And again, I mean, that could have been, I think we saw some, you know, there might be players. I think there were some punches thrown. Um, a couple yes. of Michigan guys and one Wisconsin guy threw punches. They, but it started with the coaches. Yes, you know that's the problem here. This is not players and coaches pulling apart. This is coaches that incited their players to get in this, and that's a that's a major problem. And so that's where I think Kevin Warren in the league has to come down hard on these guys. Last thing for you, big story coming out Sunday as kind of part of the Star Tribune's kind of kind of a long, you know, months long process of celebrating 50 years of title nine. And there'll be a lot of coverage of that in Wednesday's paper. I believe it's Sunday. Tell me a little bit more about the story you have cooking for Sunday's paper. Yeah. So I've had a chance to do, you know, some projects in the last couple of years that, that take longer time reporting. And uh, when I saw last, whenever it was spring, maybe summer, um, when high school league uh, announced that, that uh, girls wrestling was going to have, they were going to sanction their first uh, girls only state wrestling tournament um, this year. Previously, if, you know, girls, they qualified for state, they had to do, you know, the wrestling boys. And so this will be the first time there's enough girls. There's 250 girls. So I, in the state wrestling. So I saw that and I was like, you know, I'd like to follow a girl wrestler. Um, I knew there were, that was a thing, you know, in Minnesota, new girls wrestler. I just, I guess I didn't pay a lot of attention to it. Um, and so I found a, just a wonderful, remarkable young woman from uh, Minneapolis Edison named Nari Miller um, and spent a couple months with Aaron Levinsky, our, our photojournalist, um, hanging out with Nari and different, uh, you know, wrestling matches, workouts, just incredible, uh, hardworking kid who never played sports. That's interesting. Was not, was not an athlete, just wanted something to put on her college application process. An extracurricular, she picked wrestling because they had had uh, Edison had I think six girls wrestling at the time, and so she went out for it. 
was not an athlete, was not in shape. Uh, and this uh, next week, uh, March 5th, the Saturday of the state wrestling tournament, she qualified. She will be there four years later. Um, she's one of the best wrestlers. She, uh, she wrestles at 152. And, and, and talk about, in the spirit of Title IX and 50 years after, here is a young woman who wrestles and wrestles mostly boys because she's in the 152. She plays football and not a kicker. As I asked her, I said, oh, what position you play? Three technique, defensive tackle. And she, and she throws a shot and disc in, in track. So, I mean, this is what Title IX should, looks like 50 years later and just the power and possibility of that federal law that gives equal uh, treatment and education and sports to, to young women that here you have a girl who's never played sports. Four years later, she's on the football team, the wrestling team, the track team. Just pretty remarkable. She's an amazing kid, and I hope people really spend, you know, 10, 15 minutes learning about her, but also – um, seeing what hard work and commitment and dedication can lead to. I really look forward to that story. That sounds fantastic, Chip. Good work as usual, unearthing those stories that, you know, just kind of transcend, you know, the box scores and the, you know, the, the hot takes on Kirk Cousins, even though we love to talk about those, yeah. those, uh, <laughs> those other stories are way more important in the big picture of life. So I look forward to that on Sunday Good catching up with you always, Chip. We'll do this again soon, okay? All right, brother. Thank you, man. Good stuff from Chip. As always, I like I told him, I'm looking forward to reading that story on Sunday in Sunday's Star Tribune and on StarTribune.com. Chip does a great job with those kind of deeply reported, spending a lot of time with the source stories. Um, he's so diligent, such a, a thorough reporter that that will be packed with a lot of good stuff. So please check that out on sunday let's finish quickly with the cooler get interested in finally getting some more uh, more games uh, to to watch here it feels like we kind of hit a little bit of a dead period but now look at the sports calendar tonight the wild playing ottawa um, wednesday intrigue gophers and badgers at williams arena in men's basketball and then thursday the Wolves back in action against Memphis. A very good test coming out of the break. Memphis 41-19 and 19 this season. The Wolves 31-28. and 28. And remember, if the Wolves can jump up into that number six seed, a tough climb, I think, but still possible, uh, Memphis could potentially be the team they would play in the first round of the playoffs. So a potential outside chance that this is a three versus six playoff preview so pay attention to that if you are watching thursday's game that will do it for today's show should have ben gessling on wednesday show vikings beat writer to talk about new offensive coordinator hired new special teams coordinator hired the whole staff being filled out now on uh, on kevin o'connell's staff and what that all means thanks for joining me here today on daily delivery i'm michael ran see you again on wednesday